TJ, welcome back to another episode of Black and White Podcasters. Today, I think we're going to talk about a very exciting topic that certainly is in the headlines. And no, it's not coronavirus. It's the fact that the markets have crashed officially in correction territory. Yes, it's so exciting. I mean, I mean, for some people, they're probably running for the hills. And I think for some people that are better prepared, they're making different decisions. So I can't wait to talk about it because, you know, this happens very rarely. And so let's just dive on in. What are you what are you thinking? First of all, like coronavirus, are you freaking the fuck out? <laughs> <laughs> well, in terms of coronavirus, I, I am probably like the rest of Americans where all I see is the the ticker tape bombs in which I get this blast, you know, more people infected, more countries infected, more new cases, China's on lockdown, Italy's freaking out and panicking. And I haven't, and I'll be honest, until today, I hadn't really tried to get informed about what is this virus, what does it do, why is it scary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that well, makes sense. Now that I have, I think the 411 for our listeners is that this is a real virus, it is a real threat. How do I compare this? No, in the United States, it's not, or even anywhere in the world, it is not as deadly as the flu. Okay, check that box. However... Because it's not the flu, it has a, a several different attributes. One, it's much more contagious than other of these more pandemic viruses have been, such as SARS or H1V. This is a, a virus that is easily transmittable via, from contact with your hands and saliva and mouth and sneezing and coughing. Have, yeah, and even on surfaces too. Any Anything on surfaces. So that's a very bad virus in general, regardless mm-hmm. of this. The second part about this is that there, there is no known cure. There is no vaccine for this. We cannot take uh, many preventative measures with regard to the actual chemistry and biology that's at play here. And so the only thing you can do is catch the virus and hope that you survive. Correct. So that's correct. There's there's no vinegar. There's no salt water <laughs> baths. No matter what you're reading online, it's not there's, true. There's no Go gargle the cure for this. .com or .org or .gov. Actually, you should figure out what the fuck it is and make sure you check the sources. But there is no cure for this. And it's something that we should all be prepared for, maybe not to go out and freak out, but to have some type of plan to say, hey, we may have to shut down some cities. We may be stuck at home with our kids a little bit longer than we want to be. You know, some of our friends might get sick, uh, but it's just something to be aware of. And that's exactly where this has led into the economic situation, right? You have this virus. It's highly contagious. It's spreading fast. And the and the the. Re- the essential medicine that we can do as a humanity is to not interact with other people. And once we start going down that path, that means we can't go to work. We can't be productive citizens. We certainly can't be productive citizens if we are at home in bed or in a hospital trying to fight this disease. Uh, Sorry, sorry, this virus. So markets freaked out today. Let's look at the facts. This was the Dow plunging over 1,100 points in one day is over 4%. There's a handful of those occurrences in all of the history of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Uh, in terms of the five-day performance, we've had the fastest crash in a five-day window in the history of the stock market. The fastest crash from an all-time high to now retracing down 11 percentage points as a market. This is big news. This is a momentum crash. When we look even further into some of the sectors, whether it be travel, whether it be airlines, uh, certain retail sectors, technology has just gotten hammered over the Correct. past five days, going well beyond that average of 10%. And they are starting to approach the 20% in terms of travel and airlines. They're now approaching the 30% down. One airline, Southwest, is the big story today. It went from a 52-week high to a 52-week low in five days. Uh, this is unprecedented. Yeah, this is 
quite bizarre. I think, you know, looking back when we first broke the news about the coronavirus and at first being in the Wu- in Wuhan, China, and some of their preventive measures that were going on there, um, and as it spread around areas outside the United States, the market seemed unfazed. Yeah. And it's we have slightly seen it pick up. And to, be, to, to my knowledge, there's only a few cases in the United States uh, where it's actually passing from person to person. And the other cases were from people being brought back from these areas and put into quarantine. So it's not like we're experiencing a spread, but our market is acting like people are literally outside coughing at each other and they got coronavirus. Yeah. They're seeing a massive, massive sell-off, something that I haven't seen. I'm not sure if it's the retail investors. I'm not sure if the ones on Robinhood, but people are freaking out. And if you're ready, if you have an idea or if you have a strategy, this is when you put it into place. This yes, is when you absolutely. make those decisions that you're going to execute and you hold on. You put your chin on the table, you buck up, you ride that fucking horse. <laughs> Well, let's talk about like why suddenly, right? The coronavirus didn't just appear three days ago or five days ago. So why the sudden market turnaround? And the the consensus here is that as we were getting and absorbing new information about coronavirus, it was this is an isolated incident. China's going to do this. This is some foreign issue and the foreigners are going to have to deal with it. And I think the big change in psychology around this was A, people started paying more attention. B, the media blew it up as a very threatening occurrence in general that the psychology there just freaks people out. And three, the United States government actually admitted in their own tone, listen, this is not staying in China. This is coming into the into the United States. And no, it's not going to be a few cases. Mm-hmm. I think the market started to recognize that over the next probably two to three months, thousands and thousands and thousands of people in the United States are going to be infected. Right now, the global total is somewhere in the, it's, it's approaching 100,000 people, right? Imagine if 100,000 workers in the United States are infected. You're talking at the current rates, 20,000 people will be severely affected by this. Uh, out of that 100,000, there could be 2% fatality. Yeah, That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people that might die from this. Yeah, and so it kind of makes sense on what could the, what could be the impact on the economy, yeah. right? People are not going to work. People are not buying products. People are staying home, getting food delivered from Amazon, if wow. the Amazon worker is making his way to the work. And so there's a big question about which industries are going to survive. And I would like to even dive in deeper on which stocks and which businesses are probably better positioned than others, because... I don't think anybody's rolling to Chipotle, and I think they're down <laughs> at least by 20%. And I love Chipotle myself. I love that double steak chicken with an extra queso on it. But I'm not sure if I'm ready to test that stock. Exactly. And and so let, let's talk about that. What do you do? You alluded to the fact that um, if you're thinking about strategies, uh, specifically when the market goes down, I will do X, Y, or Z. The market is down. It mm-hmm. is here. That day has now come. You are at uh, a 10% retractment to the highs. Do I predict that this could go another leg or two lower? And by leg, I mean 5 to 10% more? Absolutely. Absolutely, that is on the table here. So what do you do? Is this your buying opportunity or is this your selling opportunity? Let's dive into that strategy. What could win? There's a few obvious winners here. Number one, you've started to name them. If it's on, I can't shop in the, at the mall and I can't go to the restaurant, so what can I do online? I can do three things online. I can shop online or I can watch TV online or I can just be entertained online, right? So mm-hmm. that's social media. That's Netflix and chill, and that's buy a lot of shit on Amazon. <laughs> Correct. Correct. And I think that's important. And and the other half of the equation is what are the, the companies that are going to benefit 
or what are the things that are going to have to remain true for the American people to keep living in their homes? They're going to have to have a way to purchase groceries. They're going to have to have a way to get medicine. I'm not saying run out there and buy every delivery company like USPS or FedEx or Amazon. No, they've got hammered. <laughs> correct. So it's like you have to be very creative on your approach. And some of them might be a little too risky for you to know, right? Like if there's so much of an unknown or a question mark around a particular business model, for me, that's a key cue to say, let's look at something else, right? Let's look at something that has more of a crystal clear path where the consumer is not encumbered by having to travel and they have an ability to consume the product do the exchange of like goods and services, or in this case, the credit card to complete the transaction. And I think there's a couple key stocks that can do it for you. Well, certainly right off the bat, what what, what were you going to say were those key stocks that, that you have in mind? I have a few. Yeah. So I, I've alluded to a, a couple of them in the previous podcast. And one of them is the Trade Desk. I think it's and what a does very, Trade Desk do? Yeah. So the Trade Desk is an online, I would say for our users, it is a platform to advertise from, a little bit different from Google and Amazon that offer advertising products. This platform allows individual businesses, users, campaigns to directly target um, across all of those mediums and then have an understanding of how impactful were my dollars spent in either converting converting that user into a transaction or converting them into a specific type of campaign. And if you look at the big scale, what's going on in 2020, we have the 2020 elections, right? And with Bloomberg getting in the race, with all these campaigns spending billions, 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 or millions of dollars on these type of things, it's going to happen. The other thing that I look at for advertising is when you're in an economic slowdown, these businesses are going to have to convince users to come out and buy. They need, a, they need a pipeline to get directly back to the user. Mm-hmm. And this is the platform to do it. And so that's one of my number one picks. I've been buying stocks or buying that stock by a couple of dips now. And you know, I just had a good earnings call this right now. And so mm-hmm. I was really, really happy with that. I think on my end, I think also about like, what can I do on my couch? And so I am I'm planning to go a lot longer in the media space, especially in terms of Netflix in terms of Disney and in terms of Apple. So let me break those down. Netflix is the obvious one. It's it's I'm going to sit at home and I'm going to binge watch Netflix. And depending on your subscription package, like if you already have one, great. If if you don't have one, we're going to see a lot of statistics like, oh my God, usage went significantly up. This is good. What's partially good about it from an earnings perspective is they might not be able to keep up their content creation pipeline if the, it, the overall engine slows down, but that's okay. They already have so much inventory that is going to keep us entertained for a while. The other two, the next one would be Disney. I think Disney, now that we have this pause, people are sitting at home, they get start to get exhausted from Netflix. Great, here's another new platform. Maybe you didn't catch on, up on Mandalorian yet. Get on top of it. It's an amazing show. And you're going to look for new content. The last one in this in this this game is for me retail. Like I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to sit on Facebook. I'm going to click on those ads. I'm going to be on Instagram and I'm going to click on those ads and I'm going to expect things to be delivered because there's no way in hell that I'm going to go to the store. And so my default is buying stuff online, but I'm going to probably buy it on Amazon and have it delivered. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I guess that feeds into like my last one is Shopify, right? What is the backbone that's going to support the supply chain? That is a supporter, it's a SaaS solution, but it's not directly impacted by slowdowns in China and shipments because when things slow down, businesses are less likely to stop paying for their services that are keeping track of their client information or Mm -hmm. where their addresses are or what they bought last, right? That's gonna be like their golden treasure chest of money and ideas and how to turn profit. They're not gonna turn that off. So I expect that one to just stick in there. It may take a couple of cuts in prices, 
But that's going to bounce back and enterprise customers and small business customers and drop shippers are not cutting that out of their business. What I like about all of these names, and I'm going to add another one too in a second here, is that they're all long-term plays. So you see two things happening. One, there is a concerted, there's a huge dip in the price to get access to this, these shares now, right? They're down 10 and 15%. This is a buying opportunity because these were already good long-term plays. So now you just get to participate in a long-term upside at a much lower price than you could have five and 10 days ago. Uh, the second thing is the, that <clears throat> all of these have uh, a valuation that's built over 10 years, right? So when we think long-term, this could be a bad quarter. It might even be a bad six months. It might even be a bad year. But these valuations are based on 10 plus years. So the fact that you have one bad quarter or one bad year, even in this valuation, represents such a small fraction of the overall valuation here that you're get, you're buying something on sale. When I see things on sale, I buy them. The one I wanted to add to my list of buys is Apple. And let me explain two things. One, it goes back to my media play. Um, go Apple has their own platform. You've got some great shows. You've got the morning show. Uh, got a lot of nods during award season. This is a big. This is a big market for Apple, and you're going to just see continued growth in that segment from a business standpoint. The other part is that people aren't going to not buy iPhones. If anything, they're going to want to be more on their media. They're going to use their phones even more. And you're either doing two things here. You either purchase the phone online and have it delivered, but from a supply chain standpoint, you might just have to wait but you're not gonna stop using a cell phone. So the Apple, the, the, the movement in Apple's share price, this is just a timing game. They're gonna sell just as many iPhones over the next four or 12 months, but you know what? Maybe there's gonna be a bunch of sales now and then sales drip off and then they pick up again. But the overall forecast over the next 24 months, to me, is gonna be the same exact number of iPhones sold. Yeah, I definitely love Apple. And I think I like the other side of Apple, which they've done a phenomenal job of selling their services business which is amazing. It's iTunes, it's the App Store, it's their 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 foray into media in terms of uh, The Daily Show, I think that was one of them that they have. Mm -hmm. uh, and they also have the Arcade Store, which is, is their way of diversifying their business a little bit away from the hardware. And those are things that people can consume and buy without going to the Apple Store, right? Yeah. And so I think they have created a safety net. I think in the short term, maybe sales do slow down in terms of their ability to get the product physically to the user, but the user can still buy and consume these other services, which Apple is still churning and churning that war chest of money to. And it sounds so mm -hmm. good. It does. So I want to flip this now and say, like, what are going to be the losers here? And when I think about losers, I'm now thinking not only short term, I'm thinking these three months, these six months, these 10 months. And so right off the top for me, the biggest loser is going to be the travel industry, specifically anything in hotels, anything in the airline space, and anything that involves you getting from your house to your final destination, whether that's for business purposes or leisure travel. These companies are screwed. So look at the airlines. They're all down anywhere from 30 to 40 percent in this short period of time. You've got Southwest. You've got United. You've got Delta. JetBlue is the only one that's sort of holding up relative to the rest of the pack, but that's only because they're only, for the most part, a domestic airline. But I think mm -hmm. as this that this as this disease, uh, sorry, as this virus retrenches into the United States, I think JetBlue is going to underperform in, in in the same exact way. What I think will happen here, with specifically with the airlines, is if we can purchase these stocks at a deep discount, I'm, I'm very interested in doing this, but I have to think about timing, okay? Because I think there's going to be way more bad news about this virus before there's good news about this virus. So sit tight because I think this this absolutely can let the market in general can lag a lot lower before it goes up. But here's what I want to see in the airlines and any company that I pick an investment. I want to see a, a management team 
and a CEO that already has a reputation for being disciplined. Because as a business, if you start seeing changes demand in demand, how capable of you as a company are you in reducing your cost structure and making decisions quickly to say, listen, revenues are down. What can I do to cut costs temporarily? An airline can do that. They can cut flights. They can say, you know what? Flight is 20% full. I'm canceling that flight. And they can start to make start to make those decisions now. I went on last night. I'm looking to travel all over the world right now, right? I, I can pick up a business class round trip ticket from Los Angeles to Europe for two and three thousand dollars. That normally is a ticket that's eight thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Instead of offering these dip discounts, what I want to see is the airlines cut back on supply so that you're not just sending empty airplanes across the, the globe. The winner there for me is Delta. Delta, their CEO, Ed Ed Bastian, he's spot on about, about this. I think it's a very smart play. Yeah, no, I love those plays. And like you said, I think if you if you need to be careful when you're gonna consume those products and, and buy those buy those services or buy that company. I, I do love the airplane play, uh, airline stocks. One of my favorites, and Delta is definitely, and I'm a premier customer for them. They, lo- <laughs> I love to just show up there with my Romeo and like, yes, bitch, put me in the first class. <laughs> but uh, I do think they're going to experience a little bit of a slowdown. So an experienced hand at the wheel is going to be important for those. That's even how I think about Amazon, right? You've got an experienced executive team, not Jeff Bezos. He's off philandering and and going to Hollywood parties around here. But the executive team, the SVP team there is so is run so tightly in the boom years. Like they run that ship tight so that when I look at how are things going to be handled if if uh, the retail sector dives, they know their business. They know they have a long term play here. They know how to handle these disruptions. They are very good at it. I think that's a that's a huge win. But go ahead. You were going to say something else. The other companies I wanted to reference are Ubers, Lyft, the the companies that do rely on a lot of mobilized workers to get stuff mm-hmm. to you. That's all your food shipping companies. That's all the the eating companies that gets delivered to your door. I just don't expect them to do well, right? They one mm-hmm. demand on a lot of people to get it done, and two people are going to be scared. Mm-hmm. So like they're just going to have a lack of supply in terms of being able to get their product to the user even though they are a SaaS solution. Well, you know what's interesting is that the two other areas that are going to suffer is anything in physical entertainment or any thing in itself that is physical, right? People aren't going to get excited to go to the mall. So physical retail is going to get crushed. Same with physical entertainment, concerts, sporting events, Live Nation, all that stuff is going to get hammered. What I actually predict here is I don't ever think these things are as bad as they will be. And so you're going to see changes in behavior that don't actually manifest in reality. What I mean by that is people stop going to Red Lobster to get their dinner and they ended up ordering from Grubhub, even if there was no actual virus threat in their community. Mm-hmm. And so you see a transfer of people just ordering the food instead of going to the to the actual destination. But the supply chain itself was never disrupted because nobody in the, the food supply chain actually got the virus. Correct. It was just a transfer of how you're receiving these goods. So Grubhub's an interesting one. I would or, or any of those platforms, even Uber Eats for that case, for that matter. So yeah, those are those are good watch one, watch stocks. So speaking of watching, like. When is the time that we do pull that trigger and say, wow, this is crashed enough. I want to get back in. And and TJ, what like sort of cues are you thinking about? Like, okay, now's the time to buy. What are you looking for? I think personally for, for me, it's important to have a strategy going in because if you don't and you see a drastic sell-off, you're going to follow the herd, right? You're going to keep yeah. doing the exact same behavior. And it's very hard to explain to your friends why you're going in and buying, you know, a couple of clips of stock 
while they're all running for the hills. Yeah. So like that's the first part. Like I had a, pl- a plan in place for if there was a significant sell-off, I would start buying. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm I'm more of a disciplined investor where I would like to buy after a 5% decline, a 10% decline, a 15% decline, and a 20% decline. And I just look over those those type of stocks I was looking for where they were on my watch list, but they're just taking those deep discounts. So as far as watching the market, that's what I'm looking for is just like certain cuts and, and the price over time. In terms of the other side of the coin, which is what is actually happening with the the virus and how are we responding and are we actually headed for a crisis? Um, I'm relying heavily on my my paid media resources, right? Because they give me the news that I that I trust, and I'm looking for things that are abnormal. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for alerting type of things like, hey, this is something that is actually changed and is mutated, and you know we don't know exactly what's going to do or we don't have a response to that. Um, I'm looking for I'm looking overseas and trying to understand, you know, are people dying more frequently or is it spreading more rapidly or has the virus changed and mutated there just to get a a feel on like how are people going to interact in America? So those are two of the things that I'm kind of like watching for. Mm -hmm. I think the one thing I would say is that either you have a stomach of steel and you're playing the long game. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I picked a a couple of stocks that that fit my, my appetite. But also, if you're not playing that game, understand when it's it's time to start cutting your losses. Because, folks, this could go really, really bad for mm-hmm. a long period of time. And I'm not saying that you should sit up there and put your $1,000, your only $1,000 into the stock market. I'm not saying that you put your only $2,000 in the stock market. I think you should definitely be in a position to weather some losses and have enough in savings to be comfortable with doing that. What about you, Anthony? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I, th- I think your your analysis of, of retail investor psychology is important here because the way retail investors, and this is the mistake they make, is they, they hear that the market kept going up, 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 up. They're reading the newspaper and it says, all-time high, all-time high, and then they get in. They're like, oh my God, I don't want to miss out on all these gains. If you heard about it in the newspaper, you're already late. Yep. And that also happens on the downstroke is that people go, oh my God, everyone's selling. I need to sell too. Okay, well, then you're just an idiot like everyone else who just sold, okay? So having that discipline is really important, right? Because you're supposed to buy low, sell high, and what you see retail investors in this is panic mode. You're late, and then you're, you're lost, right? You're late, and then you lose. Um, one thing that, that is, is very true about these big leaps downward is they don't come back at just as, just as fast. You, we had, have an 11, 11% crash in five days. I know of no 11% rise in five days okay there's no way this market turns around by next friday and goes oh look at that blip nothing happens it will take what what we can lose in a week or two it will take us months to recover from and that's where the discipline comes that even if we start to flatten out which is one of the signals for me to say okay we've had two three four days of stabilization now is the time to start buying that's number one number two you make this point about it legs down five percent you buy some it legs down another 5%, you buy some more. Let me tell you why this is a generally can be, so long as you have a positive long-term view on the company, a good investment strategy. If you go and I'm, I'm going to make up a number, let's just say you buy 10,000, you want to buy $50,000 $50, of Apple stock and it goes down 5% and you buy 10,000 and then it goes down another 5% and you buy 10,000 more. Well, if it goes up, great, you get the upside. And if it goes down, 
great, you can buy some more. So mm -hmm. you play this strategy out over time and, and you're, you're getting to the same place. You want to mo own more Apple, you have a long-term play here, and you're just buying it at different discounted price points. Th that's a winning strategy. What's a terrible idea is the market moves down 3% and you plow all of your money in and then get upset when, when it crashes another 10%. And I think mm -hmm. that's what we saw happen for many investors on Monday and Tuesday. They got in too early and now they're freaking out and now they have to sell. So all they did was buy high and sell low. That was a big, big mistake. Yeah, no, I totally agree with your assessment, and I think those are great strategies. Yeah, I think the the other thing that uh, people I want to caution them and let them think about over the weekend is we're going to get a lot of news. There's going to be a lot of news about the stock market plunge. There's going to be over analysis. In some ways, turn it all off. That's that's advice number one. You're not going to. You're just going to learn what you already know. There's a virus, and the market crashed. You already know that. Okay. What you're also going to hear is now from our administration. Trump's entire presidency, and this is not a political statement that I'm making, Trump's presidency rests on the economy, and now he has to go he, and, and figure out how he's going to manage this situation, rightfully so, because he's out of office if he doesn't fix this. And so we're going to probably, in my estimation, hear tons about what the CDC thinks, who should be worried, how we're going to prevent this. We're going to hear policy. We're going to hear from the Federal Reserve, going to try to pump money into the system. I think these are important cues to think about. But I don't want you to lose sleep over them because guess what? The the enemy here is not the economy. The enemy here isn't the Federal Reserve. It's not people. The enemy here is a virus. We're dealing with a biological issue. Donald Trump cannot fix this. No. So think rationally. <laughs> Be thoughtful about your choices in Correct. investment and what you're going to do. That's right. So stay safe out there. Think wisely. Tip your toe in the water if you got a few hundred dollars. But just give it a chance, right? I have a feeling that this is not going to be the last downturn we have. And as you listen to us, we're going to drive you through the next downturn and upswing. So keep it easy. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. I hope you're surviving this market crash. We always want to hear from you. Feel free to reach out to us here at Black and White Podcasters at gmail.com. And of course, listen to us in all of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have a good one and stay safe.